to the Cougar Tailgate, where BYU fandom lives. Here's your hosts, Jason Shepard and Lauren McClain. What is up, Cougar fans? It feels amazing to be on the radio the day after a win. All the pressure is off. There's no mystery to what's going to happen tonight because BYU already played. We can just kick back and watch college football all Saturday, knowing that the Cougars, the ones wearing white and royal, that is, not red, one last night. I'm Lauren McLean. And I'm Jason Shepard. Yeah, it was uh, certainly a late night last night, but you know what? When you win, nobody cares. Nope. And, look, and because of that, it's super easy to be able to get up after a win and talk about it. Look, I know the players after the game said that you know there was never a doubt. Like There were a lot of people that <laughs> at parts of uh, that game, especially the second and third quarter. There was a doubt. Things did not look <laughs> too promising. But man, what a fourth quarter. Look, that's... Uh, that's what you. That's what you do. You play four quarters, right? Yep. Coaches always talk about it. That's exactly what BYU did. We're going to talk about it. There were fans in TDECU Stadium in Houston. Houston. Many of them BYU fans. A lot of them were yes. BYU fans. And Tons loud fans. Yes, very for, loud. For not fans. a lot of people, a lot of noise. I don't know why we're even surprised at that anymore. Since no, no, no. BYU no. fans are everywhere. And one man in attendance was BYU TV's own Spencer Linton. Love the guy who will join the show live, still from Houston. We'll get his reaction to the win and also get his taste of the township. Yeah, and then we'll talk with uh, kicker Jake Oldroyd. He is a Texas native. Uh, we'll talk to him about high school football in the Lone Star State. I don't know if you've heard, but it's kind of a big deal in the state of Texas. Now, full disclosure, we actually taped the interview. In fact, Lauren taped the interview with Jake earlier in the week, and they talked about special teams, the special teams room. Little did we know that special teams would play a pretty important role in the game yeah. last night, including a, a surprise onside kick from Jake that would turn out to be one of the big stories of the game and really a momentum shifter. So that will not be part of the interview. Uh, but yeah, you talked with Jake, and, and you'll hear that interview coming up in just a little bit. I would like to think it's a Cougar tailgate karma ship, if you will. Oh, okay. Right? I mean, I know it was we bestowed can't really, upon him. It was bestowed yes, earlier nice. this week. I did not mention uh, nicknames, Jake the Make. I just left that completely out as to not jinx him. And so no, I'm glad I did. No field goals last night anyway. No field goals, no. It was, Our, it was just a special teams play, the onside kick, that kind of changed things. And it was beautiful. It was beautiful. It was really, all right, so let's let's get to the game. Cougars versus Cougars, both undefeated. Houston coming off a 49-31 excuse me, 49-31 win over the Tulane Green Wave in American Conference play. But that was their only game. So they were 1-0. BYU was playing in their fifth after a very, very close win against UTSA. And it was great timing on the Houston game because now we don't really have to break down why that UTSA game was so close. We have something more fun to talk about. And that's a Houston win because Houston seemed like a very quality team to me. There was no question. I mean, it was by far the best team, uh, the toughest team, and and I've said this a lot. It's it's the team that looked like BYU in terms of size and physicality. Mm-hmm. Th- they were they were the they ones did. they were the ones that could match up with BYU far better than any of the other teams that they had faced. That's what makes the win even more impressive. And it got started off on a pretty nice foot. Zach and shotgun. Pulls it away from Algier. Settles in a clean pocket. Now hit as he throws. Deep down the near side to Dax. Mill makes the catch. He's going to go! 40, 30, 20, 10. And just like that, BYU on top. Oh, my goodness. The One, very first play the of the very game. The first offensive play for BYU is a 78-yard touchdown pass from Wilson to Dax Milne. What was so funny, 
and to the point where I, I almost didn't even know how to read it. But you know how you need the quarterback ratings, and you know there's so many there's so many algorithms, and I, I don't even know what goes into a quarterback rating. But the his quarterback rating after the first pass was like a thousand eighty five point three, and I'm like I don't, I don't even know how to read this. It's so high. Uh, let's get real. I could do that for one pass. I, I could do that for one pass. But. Yeah, Blaine Blaine said that at halftime. I'm not sure that that's that's accurate for me. So <laughs> no, it was gorgeous. And let's talk a little bit about. Dax Milne, my goodness, that kid had a game. And really, he he's had a season so far. So last night he had nine receptions, 184 yards, uh, three touchdowns. Just Dax Milne. Well, and it the tur- man was everywhere. And it turned out to be look, he was having a fantastic game before Gunnar Romney had to go to the sideline yeah. with what they at least said um, on uh, on the TV broadcast as a as a hamstring, but. The fact that he did that, where you know he was defensively was being looked at as the number one receiving target, and he was still able to put up those those types of numbers, was insane. And and let's be honest, Zach made some perfect throws, and yeah. Dax, as we've seen, has a knack of finding ways to get open, and it paid off big time for BYU last night. He's he is great in man to man defense, Dax Millen. He is, I think, one of the best in the country, and. As quick as BOU started, Houston slowed things down in the second quarter, controlling the pace and time of possession until almost halftime, where BYU was driving with about a minute to go on the two-yard line, where they chose to go for it instead of kicking a field goal that would have tied the game. What did you make of that, by the way? Oh, I don't know. I It's Kalani. I wasn't surprised. Kalani has a lot of guts. He does that a lot. I was was it uh, the play call I would have chosen? Probably not. Yes. Was I was I clenching my husband's hand until he didn't have any blood left? Yes, I was. Look, but it I, happened and it was okay. I am a chicken when it comes to stuff like that. I would have kicked the field goal. Yeah. Uh, and then and I'm with you though. The, uh, the the play call I and I, I said this at halftime when we were talking uh, when I was talking with Blaine Fowler. We we had Blaine on in the first segment of, of my halftime and. I thought maybe they were going to go an option. I thought, because everybody mm-hmm. was so focused on right up the middle, I thought if you can get around the the outside, whether it's a pitch or whether it's Zach keeping it running it in, I, I thought that may be the direction they go. Look, it all worked out just fine. But like I said, I'm a chicken. I would have kicked it. I would have taken what, granted, nothing is guaranteed but I would have taken the high percentage getting the three points tying the game up. Because then you got to remember... After BYU didn't get that, Houston goes down and gets another field goal before halftime. Yes, they did. And and the defense was struggling a little bit at that time. They they couldn't quite pick up on Houston's tight end. I feel like especially was wide open so many times. And so that's why at that point I'm like, okay, we need these points. BYU needs these points, so let's get them. But Houston expanded on their lead and kept it through most of the third quarter until Zach Wilson and the offense came back alive. Tight ends left and right. A boot, an underhand shovel to wake, completion, touchdown, Cougars! What a play! The underhand scoop to Mason Wake! And leaving defenders in his wake! Mason in for six, and the Cougars take the lead! What a play, and that had um, a certain, 
I had even more appreciation than maybe the average person watching because as a Kansas City Chiefs <laughs> fan, uh, I get to see that play uh, quite often. In, in fact, saw it within the last couple of games, the last two games. Uh, the play, as we found out after the game, as Zach was talking with Greg and Riley on postgame, the play is actually called Chiefs. Mm-hmm. They, 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 they took it directly from what they saw the Kansas City Chiefs do with Patrick Mahomes and then their fullback, uh, Anthony Sherman, who, by the way, is called Sausage. <laughs> That's his nickname. All, all fullbacks probably should be called sausage. <laughs> so it, pretty it was just fun to see two of my worlds uh, colliding. Yes. I, had, I had my BYU and my Kansas City <laughs> Chiefs coming into one, and it was a happy time for me. And you mentioned that Patrick Mahomes actually responded to uh, – well, because ESPN tweeted out – that was very Patrick Mahomes' view Yes, when they uh, tweeted out that play, and Patrick Mahomes responded. He did. He responded this morning. Uh, in fact, he said – let's see. He just said, well done, a couple of arm flexes, and then a smiley face with sunglasses on. <laughs> that was very specific. <laughs> Shep's so happy right now, by the way. Any of you? No, none of you can see him. He just has the biggest grin on his face. Yeah. So there you go. Patrick Mahomes <clears throat> checking out a little bit of the BYU highlights last night. Oh, I love it. Wilson ended 25 for 35, 400 yards on the dot, four passing touchdowns, and also led the team in rushing with 40 more yards on the ground. Zach Wilson. His rushing stats were pretty important because that was part of BYU's game that never got on track throughout the night. And hit the run, the, the quarterback run right up the middle in the second half was, was maybe one of the biggest plays. I don't say it's the biggest, but it's, it was one of the biggest plays of the night, and it was a much-needed play. And, I mean, the, the offensive rushing attack just... For whatever reason, and I understand that that was Houston's number one thing to do was to try and make BYU one-dimensional and make them have to throw the ball, so they wanted to stop the run. They certainly did a good job, mm-hmm. but BYU on third and short really struggled last night, whether they it was did. on the fourth down or a couple of third and ones, weren't able to pick it up, and you know that's certainly something that, in a win, you can go back and say, okay, well, this is an area mm-hmm. we can work on, and then you get better on it. Right. And and Houston, yeah, like you said, they did a very good job. It was working for a while. And Jeff Grimes keeps us on our toes, does he not? Jeff Grimes and his play calling. Hey, look, we had a flea flicker last night. Oh, what we, didn't what didn't BYU call we last had, night? We had the Chiefs play. It was look, there were there were a lot of very creative uh play calls last well, night. Well, you hear the announcer say 99% of coaches in college football right now, would have would have run the ball here, and then here you have Jeff Grimes throwing it to the corner of the end zone. But I let it worked when you have when you have a talent like Zach Wilson, man, he trusts him. He trusts him completely, and and, and Dax Milne apparently. So there you go. Yeah, just a fun night all the way around. Now BYU five and zero. They were fourteenth in the AP poll coming into this game. So I, I'm really curious to where see they gonna be? where they're, where they're going to be. And, and a lot of this has to do with maybe teams ahead of them if they lose and there's an opportunity to move up. So, and, and we were talking about this before the show started. Our producer, Cole Wissinger, is like, well, we've certainly seen a lot of that happening this year, and, and we certainly have. I mean, there's been a lot of upsets in the top 25 just about every week. So, you know, there will be opportunities. And I think, Lauren, one of the things that, that – means I think will mean the most for people that are just casually looking at it that maybe didn't pay a ton of attention to it and I'm talking like national people on the east coast that probably went to bed before this thing ended. Right. 
I think if if all they do is just look at the box score, the fact that BYU in the fourth quarter alone outscored Houston twenty two to nothing in a game that they trailed by twelve. Speaking mm-hmm, of BYU. Mm-hmm. To then get a touchdown before the end of the third quarter, and then twenty-two nothing in the fourth to go on a twenty-nine to nothing run at the end, uh, twenty-nine unanswered. Incredible! That right there is going to get people's attention in terms of whether you thought BYU was legitimate or not. That's going to get your attention. Yeah, I agree. When when BYU, what, what was it like? Almost three minutes left in the game, scored. I'm like, game done. Yeah. I get up to go get a drink. I come back. They, they scored again. Tyler Algier. I'm like, wait, what? What did this happen here? But I, I loved every second of it. Yes, 29 unanswered points from BYU. Talk about some critical adjustments that the coaching staff and players made. Well, and you think about the way the game started. The first and fourth quarters were BYU. It was the second and third that were Houston. BYU had the 14-3 to lead. And so you had 17 points total scored in the first quarter. 14 of them for BYU. In the second quarter, you had 17 points scored total by Houston. Yep. And so they go into the break with with a lead. The third quarter, it's pretty even. It's 7-6. to six. And then the fourth quarter, it's 22 nothing BYU. Game over. And, and Houston did make some, some critical mistakes on their end. But also there were some interesting penalty calls that, <laughs> that may or may not have shifted or changed the game as well. So... So I don't know. What I, did you make of the targeting? and The targeting and then the unsportsmanlike all in the same. So Micah Harper's ejected, but Porter's not? Yeah. I, no, I didn't like that. And and honestly, they showed Porter's face after he was kind of like, ooh. Like it almost seemed like he's like, oh, I got away with that yeah. one. I, I didn't agree with that at all. I, I thought that was – his was way more intentional than, than Harper's. He walked up and headbutted Micah Harper. Micah Harper was tackling. He, he was. Whether you want to call it targeting or not, that's that's fair. But you can't downplay what happened after the the dead ball. Yeah, I, I thought that if they were going to send Harper out and disqualify him, I I thought Porter should have had the same thing happen to him because his was an intentional headbutt. It's a heated game, and really, Houston and BYU have a great little rivalry going. You know, they they've had some close games over the last few years, and and. They both came into this one undefeated, and and there's the first game with fans, which yes. we haven't talked about, Shep. Hey, this oh yeah, is, I guess we did a little bit. But. Well, but this is a show, uh, you know, helping helping get the fan experience. There was actually a fan experience there last night. There was a fan experience, and and speaking of that, we're going to talk to Spencer about that coming up. There's so much more to dissect from the game last night. We need to give due credit to the city of Houston being able to host fans in the stadium. The first time BYU was able to play a game with fans this season, so Spencer Linton's flight hasn't left yet. So we're going to bring him on the Cougar tailgate to break down the game and also just his his experience as a whole. This is Cougar Tailgate. Did you know, and you probably did if you watched the ESPN broadcast last night, Andre Ware won the Heisman Trophy for Houston in 1989 before becoming a professional broadcaster. Welcome back into Cougar Tailgate. My name is Jason Shepard alongside Lauren McLean. And uh, how about we bring in a guy live from South Texas? He was one of the, I don't say few, 
uh, because there were fans, which we'll get to, uh, but he was one of the ones that was able to see this with his own two eyeballs. He is BYU TV and BYU Radio's Spencer Linton. Without any further ado. Yes, Spencer, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, It is a pleasure to talk with you, especially after such uh, such a fun victory last night, my friend. I still haven't gone to bed. I've watched the no. game seven, um, soaking in every play. And right after this, I'm going to go get some more Texas barbecue and then get on the plane. Who did, needs sleep? You that's that's not real life. Hey, did you, you've gone to bed? Did you go to? Because I know that because uh, we share an office. Uh, you, me, and Jerem Jordan share an office, and so. I, I know that the plan for you going down to Houston was to go to the uh, Jackson Street Barbecue. Did, so did that happen, or is that happening before you fly home today? Oh, that happened, Jason. And I know you are a barbecue <laughs> man. All people appreciate just how tender and amazing a good it can be. Texas Barbecue, Houston Barbecue lived up to the hype, my friend. It was good. Better than the Astros are playing right now, dare I say. Yes. Ooh. ooh. Tender and amazing, Whoa. also words that have been used to describe my personality. <laughs> Cheap, chirp, chirp, chirp. Dad joke, I apologize. That, that was a complete dad joke. Spence, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Not to, not to regress here, but you tell me you've slept. Tell me you've gotten some sleep. Okay, so yes, I slept. Okay, uh, okay. Uh, about four and a half hours, uh, our field producer, Travis Cameron, and I, we got back to our hotel room at about 3.45 a.m. local time. Um, <laughs> but I'm just I'm trying, to, trying to process everything that BYU did um, and, uh, and accomplished last night. There's a lot there. And so, honestly, I got home, and when I got back to my hotel room, I – I wanted to watch the game and flipped on ESPN and it just so happened to be starting their condensed version. So I watched quite a bit of it again. Um, and just, I cannot iterate enough that this team is just built differently than recent teams in the Kalani Satake era. Uh, they're winning games that typically BYU has lost in the recent past. And I, I've talked ad nauseum on BYU Sports Nation about BYU struggles against group of five teams in the last three years. I mean, the Cougars, for crying out loud, had a losing record over the last three years combined against non-Power 5 teams, 11 and 12, coming mm. into the season. Well, now they're 5-0 and against those teams. Um, and uh, against UTSA, won an ugly game that – they had lost in the recent past. Uh, it felt like Northern Illinois, Toledo, USF, UMass, BYU found a way against UTSA. And then they trailed on the road. And how about this? Under Kalani Satake, BYU was 3-19 and when trailing going into the fourth quarter. 3-19? and Wow. Well, they were trailing going into the fourth quarter last night at Houston and now they're four and nineteen, so they're they're winning these games that they typically don't, which just shows you it's it's different this year. There were so many reasons to be excited about the way BYU responded down twelve points to go twenty nine unanswered is I mean it, it was unbelievable based off of the way the game had been going. So I, the one thing that I, I do want to ask you, and we certainly want to ask you about the fans and the environment. We'll get to that in a second. But Zach Wilson, we know 
the hype that has been around Zach Wilson, and especially after the first quarter, the hype was real, and you know it was everybody was just on cloud nine. And then in the second and third quarters, it, the quarterback that took most of the attention was Clayton Tune, and rightfully so, he played unbelievable. But then the fourth quarter was back to being Zach Wilson impressing everybody in college football. What did you make of his performance once again, proving he is an elite talent? People needed to see Zach Wilson in this type of game in an environment that he's, you know, supposedly uncomfortable with. BYU is down 12 uh, late in the third quarter. Things aren't going right. And his level of play was so high. It just some of the throws that he made um, in late in the game were, were just worthy of the hype. And it, it was almost as entertaining to watch the actual game and then it gets timeouts and then I'd see the national media talking about, did you see what Zach Wilson did? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and we, we've, we felt like he was capable of this for a long time. And people, you know, I, I saw a couple of national pundits last night saying, man, it was only last year that Zach Wilson was taking some serious heat from his own fan base. And, <laughs> I mean, Jason and Lauren, we knew. We knew just let the kid get healthy. Let his shoulder recover in time. Let him have a full off season. His work ethic – uh, his study habits, he's a football junkie. He's just, he's he's built different individually. And and his health has now caught up with his desire to be great. It was surgical. And and I use that word very carefully because uh, that I feel like the elite level quarterbacks in, in college and pro level, the, they're surgeons. They're so precise in, in what they do and how they assess and you know, before they go and operate a play, they they know what they want to do with the ball. They know where they're going. Uh, their minds operate in a, in a very, very specific fashion. And, and Zach Wilson showed that last night. Uh, we, we knew he was capable of this. We knew his ceiling was high. And now it's just all coming together for him. And so it was so important for him to do that on that national stage with so many people watching against a team with adverse conditions, with a backup center, without his number one receiver going into the game, without Matt Bushman for crying out. Oh, yeah, remember how BYU doesn't have Matt Bushman anymore? Like, it just, <laughs> he, he's doing it with whoever's on the field and uh, couldn't be more happy for him. It's, it's been a long road. And, and Zach heard the haters loud and clear last year, and that fueled some of his motivation in the offseason. I agree, Spencer. He he looked like an NFL talent. The guy has ice in his veins, and at least from the outside, you mentioned that last year he was getting a lot of flack from the fan base. It it didn't seem to hurt his confidence one bit, at least from the outside. He just kept working hard, doing his thing, and and it shows. Twenty five for thirty five last night, but you could argue that there were a couple passes that probably should have been caught. And would have given him even better numbers than that. But after Gunnar Romney went out, his favorite target was then Dax Millen, who I know you are a huge fan of. And uh, after last night, and, and I liked him, I've loved him throughout the season. But after yesterday, man, I'm I'm a believer. What What are your thoughts on Dax Millen? Well, yeah, uh, Dax knows who he is, and is is one of those guys that 
has put in the work. He's Zach's roommate. They watch a ton of film together. It's all about the precision and the details. And when BYU came back to uh, play or run practices on June 13th, I had a conversation with a family member about Dax Milne being the most underappreciated player on the BYU football team because he's kind of just lost in the spotlight of at the time, Matt Bushman and of course, Zach Wilson and Gunnar Romney and even the running backs were getting more attention than a guy like him. And, and I felt very strongly. I'm like, he, he's the type of guy that is just, he's, he is due for a massive season. And it was uh, a coming of age to steal an off use cliche situation for Dax and in, in many ways, for Zach Wilson. It just very, very uh, hard-fought, gratifying win on all levels, not just individually for those guys, but for the entire BYU team. This is the type of game that makes BYU as a team believe that even when everything feels like it's going against them, they can still pull it off. This is Jason. I know you relate to this. Your Chiefs would go down by <laughs> double digits in every big game last year, and it's like, nah, we're good. Yeah, it, it was uh, like, okay, well, we've been they'll, here. They'll figure it out. Yep. We don't they'll, care. They'll figure it out. And, and when you do it enough, it's just like it becomes it becomes a thing. So if BYU, and there will be more adversity later, whether it's against Boise State or San Diego State or there's a weird game in between somewhere else, this game will help BYU as a team in a lot of ways. They they needed to to win a game like this. Spencer Linton joining us from Houston after BYU beat the Houston Cougars last night in a thrilling come from behind victory. What's what's the stadium TDECU? I mean it, it rolls off the tongue. I mean it's like it's been there for 50 years. It's it's not. Every time yeah, I it every time I said that I, I felt it like it doesn't this, roll off the tongue. Like it's just this is just uh it's just weird to say. I'm not going to I'm not going But speaking yeah. speaking of no, the speaking of the stadium, we've talked about it. Let's let's get into this. You were there. You got an opportunity to experience what it felt like with fans. Now, certainly Real not, crowd noise, yes, Spence. Real yeah, the, crowd noise. The, the noise that we heard on the radio and TV, that was not piped in stuff. This was, the, <laughs> this was the real deal. Lots of BYU fans there. What was the atmosphere like, even with limited fans, but fans nonetheless? It was very clear that once the stadium opened... Um, that BYU fans were going to be there the second that they could. We show up <laughs> almost three hours before kickoff, and there were a bunch of BYU fans just waiting outside the stadium to get in because they have not been able to watch BYU, like, not please, even in Provo, playoff season. It was unbelievable. And so I probably counted about 100 fans outside the stadium, all BYU, just waiting to get in three hours before kickoff. And um, it, it was <laughs> it, it was almost surreal. I was sitting next to uh, Mitch Harper, who works for KSL Sports, and Jay Drew, who writes for the Deseret News. Um, as far as I know, we were the only three BYU-specific traveling reporters that were up in the press box, along with BYU Sports Information Department. But when BYU ran out and the chance of BYU began and we're looking around the stadium and I'm thinking, okay, for sure it's half full of BYU fans. Mm -hmm. it, there might be more. And even if they're not, they're louder than the Houston fans. And it just, it was crazy because you, you go from, from 
hearing BYU get excited on the sideline, you know, their their team carrying the energy. There there was just a new energy that was brought from from the fans. And when BYU got things going late in the game, it it was loud. That stadium TDECU, by the way, it's named after a credit union, Jason. I assumed it was a credit union, yes. <laughs> it sounds like one, for sure. Uh, Lauren, you can pick up uh, your new checks with the BYU logo at TDECU. <laughs> Good to know. Thanks, Schmitz. <laughs> a thing anymore? Probably not. I don't know. Um, but there, there were 10,058, I think, was the official total last night. And I'm, man, I'm, I'm telling you, there were 5,000 BYU fans there last night. And when I was making my way from the press box to just outside the stadium to do my final live hit for uh, the postgame show on BYU TV, it was full-on celebration mode. People mm-hmm. were screaming my name. It was it was. <laughs> Weird. Like, I didn't do it. You loved it. But Spencer, don't lie. That happens at every road location. Don't try and pretend that it doesn't. I just, I was there. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm making my way down in my suit. And I always wear a suit uh, for road games because I don't want people in the press box to think, like, who's this goofball? Um, I I try and, like, add some credibility to the fact that you wear nice suits, by the way. Great suits from Express. (laughs) Yeah. If my memory serves me. I'm an express man, Lauren. I'm an express man. <laughs> well, so I'm like jogging down in my suit, and people are like, Spencer, BYU did it. I can't believe it. <laughs> High five all around. Like, hey, COVID, 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 what's up? <laughs> and he's saying, yeah. Um, yeah, there, there were many high fives and then, and then sanitizer uh, soon after. But <laughs> it was great. People wanted to take pictures, and um, I – I had to wait probably 20 minutes uh, for the the guys, uh, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler and, and David Nixon to come to me because they were interviewing Kalani and Zach and Dax Mailed and, and they came to me and there were people that waited like 20 minutes just so that they could like be in the shot behind me and <laughs> they were trying to be socially distanced and, and flat and show their BYU flags and stuff. But it, it was uh, it was an experience I'll never forget. That is That is for sure. It just – this, this, these seasons don't happen very often and it's it feels like it's just so needed in 2020 of all seasons and for the staff and for team it just man it, it's something to cherish so let's let's enjoy the ride let's, let's keep it going BYU fans extreme but respectful I feel like that'd be a good <laughs> I, I love you said there's social distancing behind you they wait forever though it's like one in the morning oh I love it BYU fans are crazy they're awesome so you, you talked about kind of the reaction of the fans. What did you see from the vibe? What what vibe did you get from the team after that win? I felt like there was a lot of validation um, within the uh, the mentality, the attitude of the team. That look, we I know that you think we've played nobody. Well, now on a Friday night against a Houston team that has watched a ton of film on us and was well-prepared for us and without our best defensive player and a handful of our best offensive players, like we figured it out. Mm-hmm. We, we did it. So there was, there, there was a big time feeling of, of validation. And I think that there was some, um, well, I don't think I know based on, you know, what I was seeing on Twitter and on Instagram and social media, like when BYU trailed 26, 14 
it just was like, oh, the wheels are off. And, you know, like, this is, this is the BYU we know and love. You know, <laughs> never living up to the hype. And I'm just thinking, uh, okay. Twitter's it's, an awful place. There were a lot of tweets that didn't age well last no, night. No. Oh, no, they did not. It's of game time left. And I'm like, it's not like BYU hasn't been able to drive the ball. They got, they got stopped on the one yard line and you can be angry about a, you know, a play call here and there all you want, but it, BYU's offense still moving the ball. They're, they're down 12. It, it's going to be okay. Like I, I, I'm going to throw my, my brother under the bus here. He, he texts me around halftime. He said, I hate this game so much. I'm throwing on the Dodgers. I'm watching the Dodgers the rest of the night. I'm like, okay. And then at the end of the game, he's like, I love this game. <laughs> hey, that's sports it in a nutshell Twitter, right there. Twitter yes. via message. I loved it. I, I know. The fan, the word fan is comes from fanatic. <laughs> you know, the emotions are erratic. They're all over the place. But I just thought, BYU still has Zach Wilson, and they're down 12. Like, if they score a touchdown, it's a five-point game. Uh, it's let's just see how this plays out. Um, so, so validating for that team and um, a needed emotional boost for everybody that's involved with BYU football, not just fans, primarily for, for the coaches, uh, for the defensive staff to figure it out, to make their adjustments. And do you think that BYU believes in their coaches and specifically now in their captains after what happened? Oh, man. Yeah, without Every, question. Everybody in now. All right, Spencer, last question before we let you go. Uh, and let's actually get away from the game itself. Uh, you'd been to Houston before, but I think this is the first time that you've had an opportunity to kind of go out and about. And that's, what, that's one of the things that you do for BYU TV's Kenda and a kickoff. You always do kind of a taste of and give everybody an idea of what uh, the city and the surrounding areas and attractions and things like that are like. Uh, wh- what were some of the things that really stood out to you about the city of Houston? And please tell me you did the tunnels. <laughs> yeah, so the, so the tunnels are very cool, very interesting. Um, honestly, with COVID, the downtown area was kind of a ghost town. Granted, we showed up on Wednesday, and I'm like, uh, is anybody here? I, I was having visions of, like, <laughs> I am legend, you know? Well, hopefully minus the zombies, but yes. I hope you had your dog with you. Okay. <laughs> Like, is there anybody out there? <laughs> um, and we were joking, like, oh, everyone's just down in the tunnels. That's that's where everybody <laughs> is. Um, yeah, very cool infrastructure to the city. They call it the Space City for a reason. I mean, two of the professional franchises are named the Rockets and the Astros, for crying out loud. And we went to Space Center Houston, which was just, in terms of, like, national pride. Um, and, and I'm probably uh, more... Uh, shaped to appreciate something like this because of my backdrop with, um, you know, my, my dad who passed away recently, he worked for NASA at Cape Canaveral for five years uh, as he closed out his professional work career. And he would talk about these different documents and projects that he worked on. And so to see um, some of the, the actual rockets, you know, that he, he was a part of in some way that had come back. I mean, there's there's a rocket outside of space. It's called uh, SpaceX Nine um, on display, and I just was like, man, I, I he watched the launch for crying out loud. He he was he was working on these projects, and it's now back and on display at the, at the space center. And to see the space shuttle and the Boeing seven forty seven that transported the space shuttle across the country and 
and to learn about the astronauts. And they have a 50 year commemoration of the Apollo 13 mission, the successful failure. And I just felt a lot of national pride. That was very cool. Like if you go to Houston like that, you need to visit the space center. It is, it is, uh, yeah. Binding experience for, uh, any American to, to see what, all of the sacrifices and um, in some cases people getting up their lives for this, it, that, that was very cool. And then we talked about this early, the, the food, you got to oh, have yeah. Tex-Mex. You got to eat barbecue. Texas barbecue is legit. The Tex-Mex is so good. Uh, the Southern and, and Creole food. I feel like comfort food. This is the place to go. I spoiled myself with food down here for sure. So between the tunnels and the space center and, and going to, uh, uh, the hot spots for games. I mean, Brent Houston's brand new stadium. We went to NRG stadium, um, lots to see and do. And, uh, it's, listen, it's great to be an American. It's, <laughs> it's great, great to be uh, a BYU fan, a BYU employee right now. And, uh, it's, it, it was, it was an uplifting experience. It was, it was something I needed in 2020. Hmm. And, and I'm sure both of you feel the same way, you know, given uh, everything that you've gone through in your own personal and individual lives. Like we, we all, we all need some positivity. And, and this was, uh, was a, a big thing for, for us in that regard. Amen. 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 Yes. I, I couldn't, like that it, it felt in, right to all say. All in favor? I'm yep. in favor. All yep. in favor. Yep. That's me. <laughs> Spence, you are fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on with us and taking time out of your busy schedule. And I hope you have a safe flight home, brother. Hey, you bet. Lauren, it's, uh, it's great to have you back on the airwaves at BYU. Got nothing but love for you, Shep. Uh, appreciate sharing an office with you guys. Let's do this anytime. Thanks, Thanks Spencer. Thanks, Spencer. All right, coming up, we're going to be talking to kicker Jake Oldroyd and more on BYU taking over Texas. Don't go anywhere. This is Cougar Tailgate. Did you know Bill Yeoman is the winningest coach in Houston school history? He won six bowl games, finished in the top ten four times, and was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame in 2001. Tailgate. I'm Lauren McLean. And I'm Jason Shepard. Certainly COVID has put, uh, well, put a little damper on the college sports schedules this year, to put it mildly. Anybody that's watched uh, any ESPN broadcast or any of the BYU games so far will certainly be familiar with that. But it's, uh, it's normal to have a little overlap in the football and basketball seasons beginning of winter because... You know, the basketball season, which actually practices for BYU basketball, officially underway, uh, won't have games until the November 25th, but they're at least officially practicing. So you sort of have that little crossover, which made us actually think of the last time the BYU, a BYU team was in Houston. It just happened to be the BYU basketball team, and it was last season, and Greg Rubel had another game that he was calling, so he had to stay back here in Provo. And so I had the privilege of being able to go with BYU basketball to Houston. And it just so happened that that game turned out to be one of the biggest wins with one of the biggest shots of the season. The Cougars come out. This will probably be TJ to take it and go and score or dish. Harding, Haas, Barcelo. Toulson and Nixon 
are the five on the floor for BYU. Harding inbounds to Haas with three seconds. Haas pulls up, fades away. Gets it to go! It goes in! TJ Haas hits a face! I don't know if you can hear me. I just got my headset yanked off. Kawhi Leonard, eat your heart out. TJ Haas with an all-timer. So things obviously have worked out quite well for BYU the last two times they've gone to Houston. And so a little background (laughs) into that call. So after the call, after the shot was made and and Mark and I are going nuts, uh, I tend to have what would be considered a loud voice. (laughs) No. So so, um, the microphone that I was using... I had peaked the levels so much that essentially the the broadcasting equipment went into survival mode and shut me off. (laughs) This is essentially what happened. Warning. Warning. Yeah. So my mic essentially was shut off. I couldn't. So that's why you hear me kind of fade out and then then you don't hear me as I'm trying to finish this call because the levels peaked so much that the equipment kind of shut down. And so Mark was, Mark's <laughs> mic was fine, so he was able to talk. But you could hear everybody running over to Mark, and he, he was talking about how his headphones got ripped off. It's because the entire team, the, the shot from TJ Haas was hit right in front of us, like, like 10 feet in front of us. And so everybody across the court was running to TJ, which was right in front of us, and Mark just happened to be standing up, and it was just natural that the entire team ran over to Mark and gave him a hug. <laughs> it was just an unbelievable night. And, and hey, you know what? And, and it wasn't a buzzer beater last night for BYU football, but good things are happening for BYU at Houston at the end of games. Yes, they are. Mark Durant, man, he is a gem, number one. He is hysterical. I bet he loved every second of that. And TJ Haas actually tweeted something out about that yesterday before the game with Houston and basically was just like, last time we were in Houston, I'm pretty sure we had some good luck, you know, with the shot of him making the the last second shot. It is so true. There is something about BYU and the state of Texas it has been very good at BYU football as well since 2012. Taysom Hill's first season, by the way. BYU is 6-0 and against Texas teams, including two iconic victories against the Longhorns. And Houston at Reliance Stadium and two wins this year. Yeah, BYU and specifically the Houston Cougars. BYU is now 3-0 and against Houston. And, and let's not forget, this game was originally set for Provo. This game was supposed yes. to be played, last night was supposed to be in Provo, but because Houston, uh, they were advised that traveling and then coming back to the state was probably not the best thing, um, they asked BYU if they would be willing to switch home and road games in the, in the two-game series. BYU said yes, so the game was switched to Houston, and now BYU is going to get the return game uh, in a couple of seasons, and we'll be able to have the game played under normal circumstances with 63,000 people. We're going to assume in a couple years that that's going to be possible. Is it ever normal circumstances? <laughs> Especially, think of all the Texas games. Think of that Texas game. Was it 2012 in, in Provo? I can't remember what year with Taysom Hill. There was that insane it was, storm. Uh, it was thirteen. 2013, that crazy storm that came over Provo and, and that super long delay. It's never normal circumstances, Ship. It's so, true. 
something. It, look, What's going to be happening in 2023 when Houston comes back to BYU? Look, if BYU could continue to have these very exciting victories over the Houston Cougars, I'll take it. Look, and, and the other part about this is this this was first of all it was on ESPN which you know that's that's not a that's not anything new for BYU B, most of BYU's games are on ESPN or ESPN2 or, or whatever but this was a game that a lot of the national college football media members had circled this one in Boise they wanted to see BYU in these matchups because these were the teams that were going to give BYU its toughest test so for BYU to find itself down having to face adversity, and then come out fighting and take over the game in the fourth quarter, that's going to impress a lot of people. That was a win that will get BYU even more attention than they were already getting. Yeah, I agree. Three Texas teams in a row, by the way, next week is is Texas State. That's true. We'll be talking a lot about Texas and for more on Texas football. How about we get uh, an authentic Texan, an onside kick master, Jake Oldroyd. He's coming up. You talked with him. Now, we won't be able to reference the onside kick because this was recorded from earlier in the week, uh, but you talked with Jake Oldroyd. You will hear that interview next on Cougar Tailgate. Did you know there are three teams in Division I FBS named the Cougars? Washington State, BYU, and Houston. Back into Cougar Tailgate. My name is Jason Shepard. And I'm Lauren McLean. As I mentioned before, BYU football is in the middle of a three-game stretch in the schedule against schools in Texas. And football in Texas is a little different, needless to say. To really get a feel for the opposing teams and fans the Cougars are up against in these games, we need to talk to someone on the team with experience playing in the Lone Star State. Earlier this week, I sat down with kicker Jake Oldroyd after practice over Zoom. you describe what Texas football is like? Because I have seen some of those insane high school stadiums. Yeah, the atmosphere is unparalleled for sure. I think especially in the high school, uh, at the high school level. Um, one thing that I, um, I always like to look back on that I think it helped me with was just preparation for the college atmosphere because you know I played in some really cool situations in front of lots of people and it definitely prepared me for now when we have we have similar situations. But uh, really excited to go back to Texas. Um, I don't think I've played a game there uh, since I've been at BYU, but um, definitely going to be fun to go back home. You made a really great point. Was it was it really that big of a jump from high school to college for you? Since since the stadiums and the fans are are so impactful there. No, not at all. I and. I, I remember playing in Cowboys Stadium all the time in wow. high school. I played at Baylor, SMU, um, in front of up to, I'd say, 50,000, 60,000 people. So definitely something that, that got me ready for it. And so when, when we had our um, my first game in Arizona, definitely didn't feel like that big of a jump. So I think that really helped me. That's what that is why you were prepared in those lime green cleats. Let's let's go back to that that field goal in 2016. How often do you think about that game? Um, not not very frequently. I I don't know. It's definitely something that people bring up to me all the time. It's a, it's a good <laughs> conversation starter. Yeah, uh, I've, I've had to talk about it a lot, but um, you know, I like focusing on on the future and 
um, what we're able or what I'll be able to accomplish, you know, going forward this season and, and after that. You're kind of like, let's move on people. It's, yeah. it's been a, it's been a few years. So yeah. you're, yeah, it's, you're, you're all grown up now. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a, a different time. time. It's been four years. <laughs> I know that's weird, isn't it? Yeah. So, so you're from South Lake and that's right next to Dallas. So did you grow up a, a Dallas Cowboys fan? I did. I think by default, I, I was never really engaged in the NFL as, as a kid. I was much more engaged in college football. But okay. definitely was a Cowboys fan, I think, above any other team, and, and today more more so than, than ever. So, mm-hmm. What was your favorite memory, since you just talked about being in all those cool stadiums in Texas, what was your favorite memory in high school? Oh, for sure, the first time I played in the new AT&T Stadium. So um, <laughs> we had a couple of regular season games towards the end of my high school career scheduled there. But I remember my sophomore year, I dressed for a game that we had there. Uh, I didn't even play, but I just got to watch and um, <laughs> for, for one of our playoff games. And the atmosphere was amazing getting to, to see the huge Megatron, the big, whatever the, the TV that they have and the mm-hmm. hanging up. Um, and then, you know, later on I got to play there and I remember having an amazing uh, playoff game one year where I, I had an onside kick that we recovered and, and came back from, from a deficit to win a game. That was not a cool memory. That's amazing. Cause you, you're just a kid, you know, like you're just like a little kid in high school. And so to be able to play in a stadium like that and make yeah. an impact, I'm sure that was crazy. Yeah. Very cool. So take everyone back to when you committed to BYU, what was, why was BYU the choice for you? Um, BYU wasn't always my choice, but it won me over. Um, I grew up a, a Utah fan. I think I've said this before, but uh, <laughs> my both are, are alumni of University of Utah, so that was kind of my childhood. But, um, you know, I went to some camps here as a kid, uh, spent a lot of time in the area just with family and kind of fell in love with the campus and the atmosphere. And then as I started to consider, you know, the professional opportunities that would come from from a degree, I, I really started leaning towards BYU for that reason. And then um, got to meet the coaching staff and some teammates and that kind of sealed the deal. And and now a, a few years later, like we talked about it, it's been a minute since you started playing here. Has, has anything changed? How do you feel about BYU now that you're, you're sort of towards the end of your career? I, I think I just feel more comfortable. I, yeah. it, it definitely was more foreign um, living here. I, mm-hmm. I lived in Texas my whole life, so that's all I knew. Um, but it, it definitely feels more like like home now. I've got you know amazing friends and faculty that I'm surrounded by. And um, you said end of my career. I still got a lot of time left, so I'm hoping to make <laughs> I, <enough> of it. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. I didn't mean. You know what I'm saying. I didn't mean the yeah, end yeah, of career. Yeah. I just meant it's been a few years, like we talked yeah, about. Yeah. And 2020 has felt like 10 years, has it not? Oh, agreed. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping I can stick around here for a lot longer. So, Yeah, I hope you can. You will. You will. So take us into the special teams room for a second because, I mean, you're, you're close with Johnny Linehan, and, and obviously he's, he's been graduated for a minute. But, but uh, the special teams can be really special in their own way. <laughs> do, you guys, do you guys have any fun practice traditions or superstitions that you do? Oh, absolutely. So we're a, we're a very tight knit group of guys. There's only, 
Let's see, there's only five of us this year. So we spend a lot of time together and get to know each other pretty well. And so um, one thing we'll do, we have a lot of time set apart for film review and film study. And huh? there's not a lot for us to do in that setting. So we, we always try and come up with fun things to do during uh, during meeting time. So we'll one thing we've been doing for the last year or so is sharing, you know, different lists. So we'll do like a top movies list or a top songs list and everybody <laughs> will critique each other. And so that's always fun. And then uh, practice ritual. We, if we get all of our, our kicking work done, you know, there's only so much, so many reps we can take. We'll, we'll throw in a game of punt golf here or there. So <laughs> it's who usually have. wins. Um, <laughs> usually between me and Ryan, I'd say the punter. Okay. So the, the snappers give it their best, but they're, <laughs> there's that. Well, so. well, it makes sense. Who, who would you say is the biggest personality in the special teams room? Definitely Austin Riggs right now. Okay. Or he's the, the backup long snapper. And, uh, he just came in this year and I, I haven't known him for that long, but he's definitely the biggest personality. That's awesome. So, so we've kind of talked about this 2020 just has been so strange in so many ways. And one of those is you've had zero fans in Lavelle Edwards stadium. And when you played Navy, so as a kicker secretly, have you kind of liked not having people yelling at you while you're kicking? Yeah, I I think it goes multiple directions here. I, I would say yes, initially. Um, Because one thing I've, I always try and work on is just, you know, relaxing a little bit, not getting too anxious, keeping my heart rate down, but at the same time having, you know, a healthy level of anxiety that's going to, you know, push me to perform. Right. Uh, and not having any fans there helps with that a little bit on the, on the mental side, but at the same time, you can hear every single thing that the other team on the other <laughs> sideline is saying. So there's still an element that you have to um, sort of block out, but uh, we'll see what happens this week. It should be interesting after four fanless games to have a few people at Houston. So it'll be yes. Uh, it won't be full capacity, but it'll be it'll be nice to have a, a few people there. I think. Does it almost feel more personal when it, when you can hear like individuals from the other team yeah. saying stuff to you <laughs> while you're kicking? Yeah, definitely. But it, it goes both ways, and you know we do the same thing to the other guys, so we yeah. keep fun. So how have you guys how have you guys prepared to actually have a few fans in the stands? Um, I you know I wouldn't say we've done anything differently. Um, we're just going to attack the game with with the same perspective, focus on ourselves, and not let you know the external forces have any effect on us. Try and control what we can. Jake is still a perfect 5-5 five and five on field goals, 19 for 19 on extra points so far this year. And thanks again for him for joining the Cougar tailgate. Most of all, thanks for that awesome surprise <laughs> onside kick last night. Look, it, was, uh, it was a momentum changer. It was, it was it, it changed. And again, BYU did not end up getting points out of the ensuing drive after that. But it changed momentum and it switched field position a little bit. And it, it was it was a massive, massive play for BYU. And uh, congratulations to Jake Oldroyd, a fantastic start to his season. And uh, thank you. We appreciate him joining you earlier this week.
one thing I did think about was why don't teams do that more often? But then it's very hard. It, onside kicks are really hard to do, you know, and, and, and execute them the way BYU did. That, that came after a lot of uh, game film, you know, watched mm-hmm. by the coaching staff, and that was just very well executed. The opponent, you, you have got to guarantee that the opponent is not expecting it. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, it has to be the element of surprise, and it certainly was. Houston had everybody drop back. I mean, they were certainly expecting the punt, which we all were. And and here's the thing. Even the, the camera guy. The, the ball has to travel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The ball has to travel 10 yards before you can touch it. And so even, even if you have a fantastic kick, if it doesn't go 10 yards, then it doesn't, it doesn't matter anyway. So it was, the, it was the perfect storm. It went the perfect distance. BYU was able to catch Houston by surprise. And what a, what a fantastic play call by special teams coordinator Ed Lamb. And good job, Jake the not make, but Jake the make. Yeah, no nicknames. No, He's no just nicknames. Jake Oldroyd. He's just Jake Oldroyd. All right, there's one more Texas team on the schedule. And as fun as it's been, enjoying a victory Saturday. The team is already looking on to Texas State. The Bobcats are up next week. Until then, this is Cougar Tailgate. Check us out wherever you get podcasts, Apple, TuneIn, Stitcher, and rate and review us if you love the show. Our full audio archive is available on BYURadio.org. We are a production of BYU Radio. Go Cougs! Go Cougs! Go Cougs!